Everybody, how you all doing? This is uh, this is Tom, the head of Heads on Six Chats, and uh, thanks for coming to check out the seventeenth episode of Heads on Six Chats. Uh, this is a, a real coup, this one, a real um, personal, um, a real personally loved artist, and uh, someone I've wanted to chat to for a long time, way before even Heads on Sticks. Just uh, just an artist I've, I've long admired, and uh, I can't wait to be chatting uh, to, uh, to him and uh, sharing it with you. I had a little month off. Uh, uh, I always try. I always try to take a month off, just sort of around summertime, just to kind of figure it all out. <laughs> you know how it is. Um, and uh, yeah, now we're back, and we should be going on month, uh, a monthly show up until around sort of November, where I, I usually take a sort of winter break. As ever, just a real quick, just to say that you know, if you do like what I do, and, and especially with the podcast, uh, if you do give it a like or a star or a high five or whatever, whatever it is. Um, that you kind of like uh, on your preferred uh, streaming platform, uh, and if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, um, uh, give us a little written review. Uh, it does help for visibility. Um, so, uh, number seventeen, Paul Barker. Now, I would imagine most of you listening know who he is, uh, but for those that don't, uh, he was uh, originally uh, in the uh, punk post-punk band called uh, the Blackouts. Um, they're great, check them out. Uh, but he's m- more famous for being a long-time member of um, uh, Ministry. Now, you know anyone that knows me knows I'm a huge, huge Ministry fan, and I particularly love um, the era that he was involved in. Uh, that's not to not to shit on Ministry now. You know, I, I, I thought those last two records were absolutely brilliant. Um, but uh, but you know. I have a particular relationship and affinity with Ministry's output across the kind of mid '80s up until the early noughties when uh, Paul Barker left, and it's just some of the most um, sophisticated, hard, raw, um, crazy industrial kind of metal you've ever heard. But you know, industrial metal is a you know is a kind of maligned genre, isn't it? I think one can think of some of the most silliest music that's come out in the last. 30 years you can uh, come to mind when we think about genre but they really were industrial in the truest sense of the word um, uh, a real juggernaut of a band who who produced some of the most kind of uh, hellish and apocalyptic and uh, strung out uh, music of the late 80s and 90s uh, kind of a real pioneer in sort of um, in you know in that kind of you know industrial electro uh, punk sort of sound and you know maybe maybe the most important um, artists uh, to be kind of you know at the centre of the wax tracks uh, sort of bunch of bands and uh, and yeah he was the he was kind of the long time kind of uh, member and sort of you know co-responsible for that golden period all those great albums Land of Rape and Honey Psalm sixty nine Filth Pig Dark Side of the Spoon uh, which uh, underrated albums which I love I really love those those uh, the, the latter albums and and. Um, Animositisamina Animositisamina there you go I'm saying it right Uh, that great album so but around that and and in addition to all the kind of you know all all of those um, side projects you know uh, Revolting Cox A Thousand Homo DJs uh, PTP Palehead you know uh, great great stuff Um, Paul Barker uh, has been making music uh, as Lead Into Gold which he, which started out in 1990, I believe that was the first album, and the uh, he, that original single "Faster Than Light" featured a um, a young Trent Reznor uh, in the video at the time. Uh, but then, um, and since then, uh, outside of ministry, uh, he um, was involved in other projects, Pink Anvil and Pucifer, um, but uh, was and, and, and has been a producer as well. Um, for many bands, uh, but um, he's been uh, responsible for Maleco Industries, which is a kind of new um, kind of hardware for kind of keyboards and I think guitar guitar pedals. Uh, and yeah, he's been sort of you know been kind of 
creating all kinds of new and interesting um, uh, musical gear for for musicians that want to kind of maybe create some some noises uh, uh, outside of the outside of the norm, shall we say? Um, now he came back with an album a couple of years ago, but he's got a new album out, um, the the Eternal Present, uh, and it's it's great. It's really fantastic. It's great to hear uh, Levin's Gold uh, the back with some new material. So. Um, yeah, uh, so Heads or Sticks Chats, uh, number 17, with Paul Barker, a.k.a. Led Into Gold. Let's go. into the uh, the questions i got to say i'm loving the gear behind you you've got some amazing uh, hardware behind you oh yeah <laughs> it's a constant flux of of stuff yeah sometimes it's quite distracting so yeah it's difficult yeah that's great all right um so first things first I, I always like to ask this question um but but what's your what's your formative musical memories um dude so i listen i grew up listening to like am radio pop radio mm-hmm. in california and so um you know there was whatever was going on you know lots of beatles lots of of um i don't know elvis presley and a bunch of one hit wonders and you know the beach boys and shit like that so um, all that stuff, but um, I grew up with my aunt and uncle, and uh, they were super into music, and so there was lots of music around the house, and there was a record player, and I had uh, older cousins, so um, I could listen to their records, and so, you know, I could listen to, like, Jimi Hendrix and um, records, and, of course, Beatles records, and Cream records, and uh, Fly in the Family Stone, and you know, lots of like, my uncle was super into like choral music. So there was lots of choral music and Russian um, military choirs and, <laughs> you know, just, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, you know, stuff like that. Um, plenty of what else was pop. Um, um, uh, Burt Bacharach and, you know, Dion Warwick and shit like that so yeah but um so there was you know whatever that whole 60s thing with my uncle um you know the the style of popular music at that time along with classical music lots of classical music and then because i had older um cousins they had like current music in the house that i could listen to like you know turtles and stuff like that um so I did that. And then, you know, when I was able to um, find out about music on my own um, and then started listening to music and purchasing music on my own, um, the first three records that I bought with my own music, uh, own money were um, Montrose, the first Montrose record, which is a hard rock record. I was super into hard rock. Mm -hmm. The first Queen record and the first kiss record. So that's all like 73, 74, somewhere yeah. right around there. Like those first, the first records from those three bands <laughs> somehow. Um, and then I quickly kind of morphed into prog rock and I was super into prog rock and, and, you know, yes. And things like this. And so then what happened was when you're into prog rock, you know, like hard rock and, you know, pop rock and stuff like that, that just doesn't do it anymore. It's just not interesting enough. It's not challenging enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, um, you know, started playing bass. Um, well, I played trumpet is, as a child in school. Um, then I started playing bass and, um, you know, and then all of a sudden there was this, 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 this other style of music. Uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Iggy and the Stooges uh, or the Stooges and then Iggy and mm-hmm. the Stooges. And it was like, okay, you know, and then Bowie, early Bowie stuff. And, 
you know, glitter rock, uh, T-Rex and stuff like that. Yeah. So all that stuff, you know, whatever happened and then punk happened and then post-punk and, and I suppose because of my interest in prog rock, punk rock was, was great to hear. It was great to have happen, but it wasn't really for me. So post-punk was way more interesting. It was, you know, odd time signatures and, um, uh, strange song structures and things like this uh, that I really gravitated towards. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, um, yeah, post-punk kind of was maybe this the synthesis of your of what you loved about prog, but in the kind of ephemeral punk urgency, that was a perfect right. combination. Yeah, exactly. So my favorite bands at that time, you know, the first couple of Pill records, you know, the first two or three pop group records, uh, those wire records, mm. um, those, yeah, one, five, four, that record. And, you know, those records were just like, holy shit, you know, can music get any better than this? You know, like, mm. like that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I, I love post-punk as well. A uh, big, huge fan. Um, well, so during that, well, during that time, early to mid eighties, I know that you kind of, one of your first bands was uh, the blackouts. And I'm aware that you were in um, uh, Seattle and, and San Francisco, and, and and you know when I think about San Francisco at that time, there's a particular, there's a very kind of vibrant and um, distinct kind of art punk, synth punk sort of. Uh, I think about bands like the Units, um, Screamers, and I was just curious right. to know. I was just curious, you know, did you ever share a bill? uh or you know support those guys or do they support you or you know just curious what what kind of what kind of memories or involvement did you have with that scene or, or if, if at all i didn't really have a lot to do with that scene we were friends with uh minimal man and mm -hmm. uh pink section and um um i don't know we were kind of outliers because you know we moved there we the the blackouts had moved to boston for a while and then we got tired of that. So we moved to San Francisco. Um, but we weren't really like scene makers. Um, yeah. Uh, my, my memory of uh, going out to shows and things. Um, sure. There were plenty of DIY shows and things like this, but I don't, I don't really, you know, Chrome got to see Chrome, which is of course oh, wow. incredible. Um, yeah. So, you know, there was there was that kind of shit. And exactly what you said, it was it was very arty and very caustic and aggressive. And, um, you know, there were like um, survival research. Those guys were doing shows, you know, mm. which is just mayhem and, and, you know, very frightening, you know, in many ways. Uh, so it was it was that it was. Um, yeah, that's right. Mabuhe Gardens. And it's slowly coming back to me. Uh, the Stone, these venues that had, uh, you know, where, where bands played, you know, Black Flag and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, uh, very jealous of Chrome. Um, I'm sure. Oh, I'm yeah. Chrome. Pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> So jumping from uh, uh, the 80s up until the 90s, I, I, I'm, you know, uh, I, like many, I'm a huge Ministry fan. Uh, I'm particularly a, a fan, I'm not just saying this, but in the era that you were involved in Ministry. Um, and, I, you know, I've got a real, uh, some of my most favourite um, material uh, of Ministry is uh, the mid, mid to late 90s, you, you know, Filth Pig and Dark Side of the Spoon. I was just going to ask you, you know, I know that, contemporary critical reception was perhaps a bit lukewarm and and maybe maybe at the time i think i think retrospectively people have grown to love it but i think maybe at the time the fan reception wasn't quite um uh, as uh as kind of eager as you might have wanted it to be well, what was your thoughts on the, on the making those records at the time and what's your thoughts now looking back on them well okay so you know, with the success of Psalm 69, you know, which was fantastic. Um, 
you know, whatever. We didn't want to make the same record over again, but that's what everybody wanted. They wanted, you know, more of that same shit. And so mm. we decided, of course, we're not going to do that. Um, and we started, you know, working on a bunch of material and that material then became Filth Pig. Um, it was a very difficult record to make. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever. It was just... Um, difficult living situations and, and working situations and, and whatever. And so we had our own studio and, you know, when you have something like that, it's like, you know, it's like a dream come true, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, now you got to do shit with it, you mm -hmm. know? And so, so we weren't really that prolific. In other words, you know, the, the problem is that also, you know, whatever, as a creative person, you need to have deadlines because if you don't have deadlines, then you're never, it's never going to be finished. You know, it's never going to be good enough. And so when you have your own studio, there's nobody to tell you, Hey man, you can't afford to go in the studio, you know, because you're doing it. It's your place. You do what you want. Mm. Uh, so we, um, you know, in hindsight, we spent a lot of time uh, chasing our tails and, you know, going down blind alleys and things like this, which, I mean, the, the, the problem is that, you know, from a, an accountant's point of view, it's a waste of time, but from a creative point of view, you don't know, you know, the end product is the end product because of all these other things that you did. You can't argue that you could have gone straight to that end product. You know, you, you have to, you have to live your life. You have to be inspired. You have to, you know, um, you know, get into fistfights and shit like this. I mean, it's just like all of these things contribute to the, the final product. And, um, you know, in hindsight, like I said, it's very easy to, um, I don't know, make, um, uh, I don't know, to, to belittle the, the, the fact that this is your fucking life. It's not, you know, it's not like some producer came in and said, okay, this is what you guys are going to do. It's, it's us. We were trying to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and challenge ourselves at the same time. Uh, yeah, of course, making Psalm 69 again, that would have been easy. Um, and then exactly after Filth Pig, then, you know, we started working on, you know, whatever, two years later or something, we started working on another, uh, you know, after a tour cycle and shit like this, we started working on another record that became Dark Side of the Spoon. That record, really love that record. We did some really cool things in our recording process. Um, and... Um, ended up with something that I thought was really unique. I don't know. I haven't listened to these records forever, so I don't know, but I have quite fond memories of those records. And yeah, exactly. Dark Side of the Spoon was, was not, um, let's say received well, if, 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 if that matters, but um, yeah, man, it's like, okay, we don't, you know, whatever, we don't want to do the same shit over and over again. So, um, you know, it's, um, uh, I, I didn't know how I, I I'm happy to hear what you said about, you know, the kind of impression of those records today. Um, but, um, you know, at the time you're just like, you know, it's part of the fucking postponed fuck you mm -hmm. attitude. You know what I mean? Like we're going to do what we want. You know, we're not, we're not doing it for for you to sell records. Yes, of course we want to make a living at it and we want to tour and have fun and all of that. But Ultimately, it's our expression. It's not your expression. It's our expression, you know? So fuck you, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know uh, that um, what it is, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. just like, who knows why we do these things? And who knows, you know, what it could have, should have, you know? Like, okay, maybe if we did something different, we would be in a different position or we would have been in a different position. But this is, this is what we did and... Um, yeah, man, that's our history. Yeah, no, it's, it's a it's a great um, it's a great piece of uh, yours and Al Jorgensen's career, um, and uh, I think it's really when I look, when I think when I look at Dark Side of the Spoon and the climate, I mean, and Filthy, but especially Dark Side of the Spoon because that came out, you know, when Limbiscuit was ponced about on TV. You know, I just think it's sure. uh, you yeah. know it's just, just a very sophisticated record and something that was totally um, out. In in a good way, out of step of the of the of the trend at the, at the time. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great great record. I'm going to introduce you to a rather remarkable man. 
I'm going to introduce you to a rather remarkable man. I'm going to introduce you to a rather remarkable man. I'm going to introduce you to a rather remarkable man. You've been involved in a myriad of projects and... Um, you know, I do kind of feel if, if I look back at the if I look at the kind of the exhaustive list of all the, you know, whether it's Acid Horse or whether it's uh, you know, um, uh, Pink Anvil or whatever, you know, uh, 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 each project does seem to have a little a bit of kind of a character, but what uh, or a sort of you know a quality to it that just that's sets them out from the rest. What 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 do you think is what is leading leading to gold to you? What is the distinct character of leading to gold? What kind of headspace do you think you're in when you're making music for that? particular projects of yours right okay well this is it's i know this is going to sound absurd but this is kind of a new new headspace for me if okay. you will um i um it took me a long time when i stopped working with al in ministry to find my voice you know to figure out what it is that i wanted to do of course because the first thing that you do is okay well I'm going to make the music that people expect me to make because that's, you know, what, what else can I do? I know how to do it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, this is like falling off a log. Um, so I made that record, um, bring blight, uh, the perfect pair. And, um, that is like a full band kind of project. I mean, I wasn't working with a band, but in sound, it's like that. It was like a, a full band project. Yeah. Um, and then, um, then I uh, did some producing and then, you know, I started a, a business with a business partner. And, and so, you know, that then be, kind of became my nine to five. Um, and, uh, you know, I just thought, okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna, I, I'm just gonna concentrate on that. Some projects are going to come my way, maybe some production work or something like this, but I'm not really going to worry about what it is that I want to do, like my own voice, like how, how do I want to, express myself do i want to express myself i mean these are you know those are issues too you know so um anyway so uh eventually uh, long story short um let into gold started getting some momentum again and i thought okay well let into gold okay yeah i think i i think i, I think there's some cool ideas there okay maybe i can you know get back into that and you know, kind of use that as a, um, you know, kind of parameters to focus my music. I mean, that's part of the problem. So like, just like walking into a studio and having, you know, 20 synthesizers to choose from, where do you start and what do you do? You know, so when you have, you know, when you kind of have like some sort of defining, I don't know, limitations, if you will, um, it allows you to work within that and to much quicker um um yeah create within within those boundaries let's say mm -hmm. so i so therefore um being completely open 360 degrees or a sphere or whatever that is you know it's like i can do whatever the fuck i want what do i want to do okay so letter to gold letter to gold has an aesthetic um and um you know it's mine. Um, I can do whatever I want within this aesthetic. Okay. Do I want to do that? Okay. Yeah, sure. I want to do that. So, you know, it, it was much easier uh, to start working with, with, you know, within those parameters of what would a split into gold record be. Um, so um, I can happily say that uh, uh, this new record, uh, the eternal present i'm very satisfied with that i'm satisfied with you know the sun behind the sun the record that i released a few years ago um you know it's like it's not it's not how do i put this it's not that i'm dissatisfied with things that i did in the past but i'm not paying attention to it if you will you know yes it's there it's historical it's a part of me but um it's not like i'm trying to focus on what i want to do right now and so saying that um let into gold is x okay yes and so using that and then creating this record that became you know the music that became this record the eternal present um it was extremely satisfying and i'm happy that it's still my voice i feel like it's still you know it's a very narrow um stylized super stylized sound um 
And I love it. You know, it's like, uh, okay, so now I feel like, okay, I have, I've been able to, you know, slightly focus on something that is immediately satisfying and, and having toured, you know, for five weeks with skinny puppy earlier this year with this music, it's like, okay, yeah, this is satisfying. It's, it's all the way around. It's satisfying. It's satisfying for me to perform. I feel like my vocals are good. You know, the, the uh, reception has been great. Um, you know, um, so yeah, saying it's satisfying, I suppose, is the, the, as a creative person is probably the greatest thing that you could say about your art, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. Do you, are you a um, artist in some way or shape, shape or form? Are you no, involved in these struggles is what I'm saying? Struggles. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not musical, uh, at all. I, I do play around with some sound art a little bit and, uh, I have a I have a radio show. Uh, it's on hiatus at the moment called Spit and Static, which kind of I approach it more like a piece of sound art, and it's supposed to be like the uh, the radio has been taken over by strange, mysterious sources. Lots of static and scrambled audio, and uh, yes. so that that is my only kind of creative outlet, which I hope to be doing again soon. Um, uh, check it out. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, that that's really it. But uh, no musical no musical uh, chops uh, for me, I'm afraid. That's fine. I mean, even with art, even if you're doing, you know, um, something like sculpture or paintings mm. or drawings or zines or whatever, you know what I mean? I mean, you have you have a, a product, I hate to say that, but you have an end result that you then have to live with, you know. So I'm sure like your radio show that you're talking about, although I get the sense that it's kind of a live, is it ad hoc? Is it like off really? the cuff or is uh, all no, it's all all pre-recorded. I make sure I, I sculpt this kind of hour. Pre-recorded, you know? okay. Yeah. Well, then you know that, that that's very similar because yeah. you know this is you this is you saying you know as the producer as the person who's you know creating it and then finishing it, you are the one who is who's standing there with your pants down like this is my art. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? So so you have to you you have to um, yeah, man, you have to stand behind your output in some way, and that's you know sometimes that's very debilitating so yeah oh sure. yeah absolutely um it, it, I'm, I'm trying to remember your question was something about you know whatever I'm, I'm, i i feel like your question was you know am i satisfied with what i'm doing right now i don't know <laughs> uh no, we, we, i was talking i asked you about you know does does lead in, is, is lead into gold a certain vehicle for a certain kind of headspace but I, I kind of that kind of I'm slightly touching on that in my next question as well, you know, because I was going to ask you, okay. you know, what, you know, what is um, the eternal presence thematic kind of uh, influences? What, yeah, what, what is it? What do you feel like it's reflecting at the moment in you or in the world or, you know? Well, okay. So uh, in the world, um, yes. Um, the concept of the eternal present is, uh, you know, the notion that, um, we as living beings, as conscious beings, you know, of course, we, we have questions about reality and death and, you know, things like this. Mm. Um, and that's exactly what it's talking about. And so basically, these questions about, you know, what it is to be alive, um, you know, uh, uh, points to dissatisfaction with people and, you know, people who are so unhappy and, you know, every day there's mass shootings. Well, if these people had, I mean, I hate to say this, but if these people had a reason, you know, you know what I mean? If they, if they knew what the fuck they wanted to do with their life, then they wouldn't, you know, do these insane things, you know? Um, and so, unfortunately, I believe that that's, you know, a, a, th that sort of behavior by, some people uh, is a consequence of the society we live in and, mm -hmm. you know, the belief systems that we have and, and so forth. Um, so uh, the eternal present is, you know, kind of, um, you know, the, the overarching concept is um, for us as individuals to be interested in and pursuing what it means to be alive. And I don't know, you know, I certainly don't expect people to do that but but it's my expression it's my, what i'm trying to trying to um propel if you will is is the uh, positive um perspective of you know you you have a life it is um singular 
it, it is as important as any other person's life. Mm. Um, therefore, you know, embrace it and hopefully, uh, you know, um, do something that you want to do. I don't want to say, you know, be happy. That's not that that's this other fallacy of our society, but definitely, you know, realize that it's your, your life, you are doing it, you know, and, and, you know, you have to, um, I say you have to, hopefully you will um, recognize that um, because you're embodying it, whether you like it or not, you are embodying it. So if, you know, I don't know, to get people to step back and realize that, you know, you know, that, that, how do I put it, that they're doing what they want to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like that. Anyway, so the eternal present is, you know, now is the point of power kind of concept, you know, like, of course, because you can't do anything about the future and you can't do anything about the past. So what are you doing? You know, like, just think about that. Um, and I suppose another notion of that name is, um, yes, I have a recorded history, but um, I'm trying to challenge myself to, you know, to do interesting music. It's a musical project. So, you know, that's like focus on the focus on the present. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know you're also making this album at a time where you know there's a very i think you know digital um recording techniques and digital technology you know is obviously always evolving and always you know um becoming ever more innovative but there's also um for the last sort of 10 years maybe there's also been this absolute kind of um uh, another another kind of uh, moment for, for sort of analog hardware. I can like, like I can see sort of behind behind you, you know, um, yeah, sort of analog hardware and synthesizers. And I was just wondering, you know, um, how has that been for you as an artist? And has that uh, has that kind of uh, informed or instructed the sonic quality or the create or the or the kind of recording process or the creative process with um, the Eternal Present or, or any work you've been doing at the moment? Right. Okay. Well, I am not a purist. Let me start there. I okay. think that um, I think that all of these digital recording formats and you know the the ability for everybody you know to do it on their own. I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, uh, the other day somebody told me there's like sixty thousand new songs uploaded on Spotify every day, or you know something some astronomically crazy amount of, of music that's, that's going out. Um, the, the argument would be, you know, cream rises to the top, you know, so you, you, you just have to say that, that that's, that's just what happens. Mm. Um, also, so now to go back to my post-punk kind of sensibilities um, in the eighties, one of my favorite aspects of that post-punk explosion you know, whatever, late 70s, early 80s, you have all these bands. At that time, you had, you know, let's say, okay, you had synthesizers, but you didn't really have a lot of editing. So people were doing stuff live. So people were developing their own um, uh, um, sounds um, from the same instruments. So everyone had access to the same instruments. But you had all these bands that had very distinctive sounds, you know, you know what I mean? That's because, you know, whatever, Susie and the Banshees, Gang of Four, you know, Wire, DAF, um, you know, Cabaret Voltaire, these bands, they all, everybody had access to the same sound, to the same equipment, yet they decided they were going to do their own sound, right? They were going to have their own voice. That's exactly the same today. So... The, the fact that there's all this, you know, the, the easy, uh, inexpensive access to incredible equipment or sounds, incredible sounds and re- recording techniques, nothing has changed. You still have to have an idea, you know what I mean? You still have to have a desire to do something that's unique. Mm. Um, of course, we all have our influences, you, you know what I mean? But, you know, and we have a 12-tone scale and shit like this. So within yeah. that, you... You still need to, um, well, you don't need to, but I want people, you know, to do something that's unique. You know, to, uh, that's what I love to hear. I love to hear that. 
Uh, whether I like it or not, I don't care. You know, the fact that they're doing it is way more important to me. You know, there's lots of shitty music out there that I think, oh my God, that's horrible. And yet at the same time, it's like, well, holy shit, they did this, you know what I mean? They, they decided this was what they're going to focus on and do it. You know, that's fantastic. You, you really can't ask for anything more, you know, whether you like it or not, you, you, you know, you want people, um, you know, to be creative and do something and do something that they think is fantastic for themselves, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, I, um, yes, I have analog stuff. I use it. I use soft synths. I use, you know, what, whatever I use. I use guitar effects pedals. I use toys, you know, like whatever. Um, it, it's uh, ultimately, I mean, you know, whatever. My tracks are littered with outtakes, you know what I'm saying? Like ideas, which yeah. I think is fantastic. Um, you know, because then once again, you're like, okay, well, I'm the arbiter of the final sound. And so, yeah, I could, you know, I could, you know, run everything through a distortion, you know, or, you know, two best compressor and slam it. And wouldn't that be great? Yeah, of course. I love that. There's no question about it. But is that, is that what I want Lead into gold to be? You see what I'm saying? Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, ultimately in spite of all of the tools that everyone has access to you, you, you need to, or you are going to be the final, you know, filter that this that 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 your expression comes out comes through. Is there are there any other influences? You know, um, are there any maybe uh, influence influences that might surprise people about uh, you know that that um, inspired. Uh, the eternal present and perhaps not even just music, you know, um, I know film arts, you know, whatever, you know, um, uh, what, you know, we, we've touched on, uh, or, uh, we've touched on societal analysis and a, a bit of philosophy, but is there anything else that's maybe gone into the, uh, the, the cooking pot for this album? Well, I mean, you know, um, we are constantly learning and constantly, you know, reading new things and seeing new things and being challenged. Um, we're being challenged by the news, if nothing else. I mean, you know, mm. um, so those, those influences, you know, my re recorded history is an influence. The, the music that I touched on that I grew up with, you know, stuff like that. Um, that's all there, you know, like whatever Nina Simone and um, uh, Scott Walker and, and, you know, you know, um, like I said, Burt Bacharach, you know, like there are extremes, you know, there's lots of, you know, whatever bubblegum music. I love bubblegum music. I don't listen yeah. to it all the time, but mm. you know, it's just like, when I hear it, it's just like, holy shit, that's right. That's so uplifting and fun and dippy, <laughs> you know, and stupid yeah. at the same time, but goddamn, you know what I mean? So I mean, all of these things. And then like I, you know, then as I say, all of those influences, of course, movies, you know, incredible movies, um yes uh and then um art you know sculptures art um i don't know like you look at a kevin bacon painting and you're just like holy shit this is just unbelievable you know and it's like you look at that and you think oh yeah that's right this guy was persecuted you know, when he was painting, you know, nobody understood what he was doing. And now it's just like, it's just unfucking believably incredible. Um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, yes, all of your visual arts go into <laughs> your musical expression, or in my case, it does, um, as I'm sure it does for everybody, you know. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's just like, it's difficult because what I'm saying is true of virtually all artists, whether we like their music or not, whether it's like lame acoustic music, in my opinion, you know, or, 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 or whatever, you know, I mean, it's like, people are going to, you know, just absorb everything and then, you know, somehow filter it. Um, that's just human nature, you know, I mean, there are purists and, good for them. You know, I'm, th that's fantastic. Maybe they want to do bluegrass and maybe they want to 
you know, they want to record on three track, three track <laughs> tape recorders and shit like this. Fantastic. That's fine. You know, that's badass. These guys are fucking shredders, you know, like pickers and just like you listen to it and you're like, holy shit, man, these guys are monsters. <laughs> that doesn't mean I like it. You know, that doesn't mean, does it influence me directly? Well, I don't want to do, <laughs> you know, so, so there's that. Talking about uh, Maleco Heavy Industries. How did that come about? Yeah, Maleco Heavy Industry. Um, that came about because uh, a friend of mine, so I lived in Austin for many years. We're currently in Portland, Oregon. Uh, but I lived in Austin for many years. And um, a friend of mine was uh, making analog guitar effects pedals. And um, I had a pedal that I used in ministry forever. It's the Maestro Bass Brass Master. So this is a mm -hmm. pedal that, at the time, you know, if you could find one, it was $1,200 or whatever. And so I'm like, okay, well, why don't we just make an updated version of this circuit? Let's just figure it out and see if, see if that's interesting. And so um, we did. And although there were people, there were other companies, you know, manufacturing versions of this pedal, I don't know, they didn't do it right. And so like we managed to stumble on, you know, doing it right. And so that was our first pedal and it's called the Barker Ass Master. So kind of ridiculous, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's our pedal. Um, and then from there, we decided we were gonna do like a hand-built analog delay. And then we were gonna do like a reverb pedal, hand-built, you know, reverb pedal. Of course it's digital because it has a, a chip in it. You can't do a reverb without a spring. Yeah. Otherwise it's digital. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we just branched out from there. And my business partner is a huge synth nerd. So right away, we start when Eurorack, we thought, okay, we can make some Eurorack modules. So this is what we're doing. So we're making guitar effects pedals and Eurorack modules. So um, yeah, it's been going 17 years now, something like this. I mean, it's crazy. Um, but um, the, the um, COVID lockdown and the consequences really hit us hard. And, uh, you know, component shortages, you know, it's like, yeah. Well, how is that? I mean, we had lots of components in stock, so we were able to weather, you know, like two years without worrying about it. And then all of a sudden, last year and this year, it's been extremely difficult for us because we ran out of our own stock, our own supplies. And, um, you know, if you think that, okay, well, what's the supply chain? All that, all that stuff comes from China. There's, there's no way around it. All, you know, electrical components come from China. I say all, let's just say 99%. Okay. Um, if the mines shut down, if the smelters shut down, you know what I mean? Like the oh. whole thing, like the whole fucking thing ground to a halt. And then you have to pick it back up again, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, all of a sudden, yes, you could get some of these components, but, you know, Ford and, you know, Samsung, whatever, they're like, you know what I mean? They're buying everything. So, you know, you have to wait for the supply chain to, 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 to fill back up, you know what I mean? So that there's some leftovers for the small guy. Um, anyway, so blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're getting our sea legs back, but it's been difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, I, I can we do our own manufacturing. No, no. What I want to say is we do our own manufacturing. So of course all the components, come from china but we have a pick and place machine and we have you know we have um a um a uh reflow soldering thing gosh i all of a sudden i can't remember what it's called but anyway we've got a bunch of bunch of gear here in our shop so that we can build it in-house uh yeah <laughs> What, 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 what are you listening to um currently what yeah what what's what's on your what's on your uh spotify yeah what are you listen to uh i listen to i've been listening to uh jorge ben which is a bossa nova guy um i've been listening to liturgy which is like an an american metal mm. band um i've been listening to the new godflesh as a matter of fact so godflesh oh, has nice. dropped a new record it's yeah, pretty yeah. awesome yeah um 
Uh, let's see. What else? What else do I like? Um, um, what is on my What is on my Spotify here? Let's let me open it up and see what it has to say. That's that would be hilarious. Don't no, no, um, no. There's no guilty pleasures here. You got to tell me straight away what comes up. <laughs> um. Oh, wait, this is uh, this is still my search because I'm like they're all Godflesh. Um, <laughs> Curtis Mayfield, I've been listening to um, these uh, this guy. Um, so uh, um, Harry Parch, are you familiar with Harry Parch? I'm not. Harry no. Parch is an Harry Parch is an American uh, artist who uh, was super into microtonal stuff, and so he developed and manufactured his own instruments so that he mm-hmm. could perform this stuff. It's totally out there. Um, uh, John Travener, right? You know, John Travener is an English choral uh, um, composer. It's crazy, crazy cool. Um, Kenneth Garburo is also, th- these guys, Kenneth Garburo is also a, like an avant-garde composer. Yeah. Um, like that. Uh, let's see. I see Mr. Bungle. I see Sly and the Family Stone, Percy Sledge, Lou Reed, Suicide, Donna Summer, Sakamoto. You know, it's like you just kind of go. That's a heady brew. I like that. <laughs> um, have you got any other uh, upcoming projects or, or anything anything coming up? Uh, any any more tour dates or even perhaps other projects outside of Lead into Gold or? Yeah. So the problem is, and I was talking with my business partner about this today, as a matter of fact. So the problem is time. Time is the, the, you know, you just, you just don't have it. So um, yes, I want to work with other people. um, And, you know, we're, we're throwing ideas around. Um, I just have to, I have to make time to do it. Um, uh, um, There is scuttlebutt about, uh, um, more skinny puppy dates in the States, possible skinny puppy puppy dates in Europe next year, you know, whatever. Um, they want me to do them. I'm going to fucking do them. You know, nice. it, it's so fun. Yeah. So um, in, in, in the short run, that's, that's really what I got going on. Um, uh, speaking of a skinny puppy, um, how, how was that tour? How was that? Uh, that, that must, that's, uh, that's some old partners in crime, isn't it? That's exactly right, man. I love those guys. And it was super fun. Uh, everybody, you know, they're all sweethearts. They're putting on a great show, um, you know, and the shows were well attended and all of that. So, you know, that that just helps uh, with the mood overall. Mm. Um, yeah, man, it was it was really I'm super grateful that they uh, invited me on this tour. And I think I touched on deadlines earlier. The f- Excuse me. The fact that they did it was a deadline for me to finish this record. You know, um, this, this tour idea has, has been kicking around for about three years now. And so mm-hmm. because of COVID, you know, it kept getting pushed back. So uh, the eternal present was finished as a record was finished at the beginning of last year. Um, you know, and it was just like, okay, so what am I going to do with it? Whatever. And and then um, I, um I've been involved with the um, Cold Waves uh, Festival in Chicago mm. since its inception. And, you know, it's a fundraiser. It's a suicide hotline fundraiser. And, um, you know, I'm, I want to be involved. And so I am involved. And uh, so every year I do something. Anyway, so last year, Chris Connolly and I uh, worked with Jason Novak and Dan Brill. And so we did like a Cox, revolting Cox kind of, kind of set. Mm. And on that, you know, in talking to Jason, I asked him about, you know, could you recommend a label for me? And so eventually I talked to some labels and I decided to go with uh, Artifact Records out of Toronto. And uh, part of the reason is because I was talking to Kevin Key and he's released, he's been releasing his side projects on Artifact and he had nothing but good things to say, good things to say about them. Um, so, yeah, uh, the reason that this, the, the, so back to, you know, the, the tour, the tour was the impetus, impetus to finish this record, mm. uh, which I'm very happy about, thrilled about, you know, like, cause deadlines are your friend. So, 
Yeah, yeah. You need some peripheries, definitely, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, you, you have to permit me the inevitable question if you don't mind. Oh, but, but um, I, you know, that there has, I know that um, there had been uh, discussions of that you and Al Jorgensen had kind of uh, spoke a bit and kind of, you know, maybe kind of hung out a little bit. And uh, I'm just curious, you know, what, what, um, has there been any headway or any, or is there any kind of inkling of an idea that there might be some musical collaboration uh, in, in any form with, uh, with Al Jorgensen anytime soon? Well, I mean, what can I say about that? So we are talking, we are laughing, um, and, um, you know, never say never. That's really all I can say. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, well, listen, Paul, uh, I, I really want to thank you for giving me your time, and I'm really, really, uh, really thrilled that you've uh, agreed to be on the podcast, and uh, I wish you all the best for... Uh, for everything. <laughs> I really appreciate what's happening it. for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, man. It's been easy. It's nice talking to you. Uh you're Tom, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. My, my mother my mother didn't call me heads on sticks. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. All right, nice for the best of a good day. And uh, okay. nice yeah i love that what a gent um a real thrill a real thrill to be talking to somebody who you know i've spent many hours listening to those records you know that he, uh, he did with ministry and um i'm really excited about his uh, future uh, efforts as, as led into gold um do check out the album the eternal present uh it's great really really love it and um i'll as always i'll i'll have uh, links and you know into the uh, I have links to the albums and uh, various social media uh, underneath in the captions, underneath whatever, you know, however you're listening to the uh, podcast. Uh, also, big thanks to uh, Lucy uh, from Looters uh, Agency for uh, being very helpful in corresponding with me and uh, making it happen. Um, and a big thanks to Paul Barker for, for agreeing to it and giving me his time. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what a great, great uh, episode. Uh, great chatting to him. I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, as I say, yeah, any if you can give it a like, if you give it give it a sort of star or a thumbs up or or even a written review on Apple uh, Podcasts if you're feeling generous, uh, do do uh, please do as uh, it will help. Uh, I hope you're all keeping well, and um, I look forward to the uh, next time you're listening to the podcast. Uh, just to say, um, the, the next Heads or Six show at Arja Radio is happening. Uh, uh, it will be this uh, next weekend. Uh, and I got uh, you heard it here first, guys. Uh, the God in Hackney. Uh, they're they're guesting with me. Great, really interesting band. Kind of jazzy, experimental, post-punk, amorphous, genre-defying kind of uh, experimental outfit from London. And uh, I'm looking forward to having them. And uh, the return of Spitting Static. That's happening, guys, uh, at News Radio. So uh, I'm going to have my first sort of uh, new Spitting Static show uh, at News Radio coming up in a couple of weeks. So yeah, all exciting stuff, guys. But uh, yeah, that's enough. That's enough for me. Oh, by the way, if you've got any questions, if you've got any anything you want to tell me or ask me or or whatever, throw at me. Uh, Tom at headsonsix.co.uk. Uh, give me a shout out. And if you've got any questions pertaining to the podcast, I'll answer it the next step in the next episode. Uh, all the best, guys. Uh, take it easy. Nice